Welcome to The Thought Hackers, the show where you will learn how your mind works and discover how to change your thinking from leading experts and through inspiring stories. Hey everyone, my name is Nathan Siegel. I'm here with my colleague Hamish Baston out of Australia and we are The Thought Hackers. Today we have a guest. His name is Ira Robinson. Ira has been a writer all his life. He currently has six books published in both fiction and nonfiction genres. He is also a copywriter and radio show host, and both of which have allowed him to, the opportunity to make a difference in people's lives. Though life has given Ira many difficult circumstances, through these difficulties, he has been able to transform his own life and the lives of others. Ira's books can be found worldwide at major books retailers, as well as Barnes and Noble and Amazon, or you can find them on his website at originalworlds.com. Hey, Ira. Good to have you on the show. Hi, Nathan. Hi, Hamish. Thank Hi, you Ira. so much for having me tonight. Yeah, it's good to have you. Uh, we, Ira and me, we had an opportunity to do a, a bit of a pre-interview, get to know each other. And it's typical with these these interviews. The number one question I ask is, you know, when did when did you realize that your life was falling apart? And I think for you, Ira, if I recall uh, from our previous conversation, it it had to do with your vision. Was that correct? Um, yeah, that was actually sort of the uh, end. <laughs> the end note. Oh, the end. Cherry on top. Yes, uh, as far as the difficulties that I've had to go through. But uh, that is definitely one of the major things that I still have ongoing in my life. Uh, I have a, a, a genetic disorder called uh, keratoconus, which basically makes it so that your vision is too much instead of too little. Uh, so it's like looking into a, a melted wax museum on a constant basis. It makes things quite interesting and uh, sometimes fun, but it definitely can lead to a lot of difficulties. Uh, and yeah, that's that's probably one of the uh, top issues that I've still got to deal with in my life. Uh, but things started off for me the most, um, well, when I first got married, my, my first wife uh, was quite young and so was I. And uh, we had a child that was on the way. That was one of the reasons why we ended up getting married. And uh, during the honeymoon, she tried to kill me. Um, she tried what? to stab me, stab me with a butter knife uh, in the shoulder. And uh, yeah, uh, we found out later that there were a lot of issues that were going on mentally with her. And, you know, being so young, I just I couldn't handle it. I, there was too much that was happening. Uh, I didn't know how to take it. I didn't know how to handle it at that time. So we ended up separating. And uh, that caused a lot of trauma that, that happened uh, between the two of us. But uh, then I ended up, because of things that happened in that relationship, falling into another one uh, where my second wife came into the picture. Uh, and that one was severely abusive, uh, both mentally and physically. And uh, it took me about five years to escape from that situation. Uh, which sort of led into other uh, problems that occurred until I finally decided I've got to figure my life out. I've got to stop doing this stuff and uh, figure out why this is happening. And uh, that led me into the course that my life has taken to this point. Um, even though I have gone through a lot of things, even though I have been through uh, a multitude of traumas, to say the least, I don't let them rule over my life. And I do everything that I can do to improve the lives of, of the others that are around me based upon these traumas that I went through. Uh, it's sort of thing of, you know, if you see somebody that's gone through the same kind of situation as you have, 
uh, it's easier to talk to them about it. Yep. It's easier to discuss it with them, to get out the feelings that you have. And uh, that helps. So, you know, I, I kind of look at myself as, uh, as sort of a touchstone for people. They can, they can come to me if they need it. And I'm there for them and I can understand exactly what they're going through because I've been through the process myself. Hmm. Yeah. Well, one thing you said, you're, you're finding out um, what, why this was happening to you. What were the answers that you came up with? So funnily enough, I actually, one of the reasons why I wrote one of the books that I did, uh, it's called When Good Relationships Go Bad. Um, in that book, I discuss all of the uh, issues that come up in relationships like that. Um, most of the reason why I figured it out, at least for myself, for a lot of other people that have read the book and, and have um, you know, come away transformed from it, is the subject of emotional addictions and how those feed into trauma that we're going through. So I guess in a brief explanation, um, our minds are basically there for one reason, uh, to survive. That's mm -hmm. what they're evolved to do. That's what they're kind of trained to do. And they're focused on just that subject to survive. Yeah. So if you're in a situation that is a bad one or a situation that's a good one, your, your brain, your mind sort of does what it can to keep you in that situation. It will, it yep. will trick, you, it will lie to you. It will make you believe that what you're going through is, is right and proper because you're surviving, you're alive. And if you stasis, yes, exactly. And if you were to change anything in your life, well, you're going to die. That's, or at least that's what it thinks. Mm. So that leads into a situation called that I've called emotional addictions. Um, Emotions are very powerful things. And when you are going through different situations in your life and you're feeling love, you're feeling happiness, you're feeling anger, you're feeling hatred, whatever the case may be, those feelings can be very addictive. And so what sort of invariably happens, and again, this is due to that survival instinct of the mind as well, is that we will go through the same situations over and over again to help us to feed those addictions, to make sure that we're getting uh, the, that hit, so to speak. Yes. And, you know, for me, the motions that I was going through, I mean, it was like heroin to me. You know, if, if, I, if I didn't get my fix, uh, there were definitely problems. I found myself over and over involved in the same kind of relationships because I knew, or, or at least subconsciously, I guess, um, was working myself towards the end of that hit. You see what I mean? Um, so that was sort of a, a nutshell version of what my book, uh, mm. when good relations go bad is all about. It's, it's about, um, finding yourself in the same situations over and over and over again, because you're falling into a pattern of behavior. Uh, and you might find yourself in a relationship that is just the same. It has the same cycle. You know, you fall in love, you, you, uh, maybe even get married or you have children, or maybe that's not the case, but you get into a relationship, you fall in love, uh, you start having arguments, uh, you start having troubles between the two of you. Maybe, maybe you, uh, find that you're together with a cheater, so on and so forth. And every time that you get into a relationship, it seems to work out in the same way. Yes. It, it always that same end. 
And uh, again, that's because you're fulfilling that emotional addiction. You're seeking out the same patterns that you've been through. You might even be together with a person that looks almost exactly alike, you know, from the people that you've always been with. You'll have the same body types, the same facial structures, so on and so forth, because that's part of that addiction. You see. This, this, is, this is really important stuff. This is a lot of the clients I work with um, – and finding out why, and they'll come to me and they've been like, I've been in a narcissistic relationship and the one before that was the same. And the one, but why do I keep attracting these people? Uh, and I'm just having a look at your book on the website at the moment and it's sort of, you know, when good relationships go bad and how to break the cycle. And it really is a cycle. And when I, when working with these clients, I actually, we actually end back to um, most times when they're children. It's the relationships that they had with parents or someone else yeah. close in, in, that, in that age group. Um, in, in that growing up process that was close to them uh, that created that attachment and like you said these emotional addictions to that sort of person with yourself have can you relate it back further than sort of just the relationships you had with your marriages yes um actually it stems back towards uh when i was very young my dad was a severe alcoholic and a very abusive one at that he was uh what you would call a whiskey drunk and um I saw him being abusive not only to myself but to my mom, uh, other people that were around him when he was drinking. And uh, even after he stopped drinking, that trauma of what I went through with him still stuck with me. And so that led me into finding uh, relationships that had the same kind of taint, the same kind of feeling to them uh, as it did when I was younger. Um, so that sort of was the the touchstone, the spark that that lit that certain addiction. Um, and as I progressed through life, I started to realize this pattern was there on myself. Uh, you know, I fell into drug addiction even when I was, uh, in my teen years, because again, I saw that this was a pattern that my father had, mm. uh, I go into alcohol because, you know, uh, most people they'll, they'll swing into one direction or another when they have a parent that's an alcoholic, they're either going to become alcoholics themselves or they're going to want to have nothing to do with it. Yep. Uh, I the direction of having nothing to do with it, but I still had a very addictive kind of a personality. So I fell into drug use. Um, and I got away from that by the time that I was 19 years old, I'm 46 now, um, and haven't done anything ever since, you know, but it was definitely a, 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 a trying time for me to say the least, um, to go through that. So, um, what, what I, I guess I can do as a takeaway from this is as I looked at my life and I saw that these patterns were there and I saw that I was keeping myself in that stasis, as you mentioned there, Nathan, um, I realized what the pattern was and I realized how to break it. I found out uh, the uh, method, I guess, that worked for me that helped me to break through that pattern. And what's amazing about this is once I figured it out and once I determined within myself that I was not going to you know, allow this to happen myself. Um, I actually made the statement out loud to myself quite a few times. I'm never getting married again. I'm never even getting together with anybody again. I'm just done. I'm done with it. Um, and invariably as sometimes happens, um, I ended up meeting my soulmate. I ended up being, uh, encountering someone that has made the difference in my life that has, uh, awakened me into things that I never imagined I could feel about anybody in my life. And that's my wife, Jolene. Um, and we've been together now for years. We, we never fight. We've never, you know, nothing like that. It's, it's just been, you know, as much bliss as you can imagine. Of course, we've got some issues that, that everybody has, you know, the, 
finances come down and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you might have little uh, things here and there, but mm. it's nothing like it was. It's just sort of that standard. OK, what are we going to do this month? Oh, great. OK, no problem. We can do this. You know, so. yeah, you've broken you've broken the cycle. The cycle exactly. Yeah, but it, the thing is, uh, and I want to get back to this: is you didn't say what it was, and you were going in that direction, and you kind of switched gears. And I'm going, okay, what did you do? <laughs> yeah. So I examined my life. I figured out that I had fallen into this pattern, and what what it took for me was this um, attitude of gratitude, of forgiveness especially. I learned that forgiveness is not about the other person. It's about you. It's about the person that you are. Um, I guess the way, best way that I can put it is that what somebody else thinks of you or says about you is not really your business. How you react to it is. And so with that in mind, I went through my life sort of in my memories, in my heart, I went through everything that I had gone through and I realized I could use this as a learning lesson. See, I, I, I guess you could say I've, I believe that life is about lessons. It's, it's about breaking through and learning these lessons. So for me, I took the things that I went through as a lesson. You can, you can look at your life in that kind of a way. And not hold any regrets for what you've gone through because if you're happy now, if you've got good things in your life, those things are there for a reason. Those things are there to help you realize that sometimes darkness can bring you to the light. Those things can be uh, forgiven. Those darknesses that you've gone through can be forgiven. Those, those hardships, those traumas that you've gone through can be forgiven. Not for the other person's sake, but mm. for your own sake. Because the anger is not healthy. The regrets are not healthy. The um, despairing is not healthy. It's not good for you. It's not good for your body. And it's not good for the people that are around you. So what can you do about it? Well, you can, you can have an attitude of gratitude. You can, you can actually thank the person in your heart. Not, maybe not necessarily you know, thank them to their face, but at least in yourself. If nothing else, like for the abuse that I went through with my, my second wife, for example, I thanked her for it because I learned in what I went through with her that I'm never going to allow that to happen to me again. Yeah. And I'm never going to allow that to happen to anybody that's around me again. My kids learned the lessons through me because they're not going to have that kind of relationship either. You see mm -hmm. what I mean? Yep. So it's a learning lesson. If nothing else, it's, it, you can practice that attitude of gratitude and find a way to break through the darkness that's there and come to a, a, a portion where, okay, my life is better at this point in time. I've, I've gone through everything that I've gone through. I, I've, I've gone through the traumas. Yes, the, the scars are there, but the scars don't have to rule me. Yep. One of the things that I learned as well, and um, <laughs> I guess you could say this was, this was sort of uh, my own um, anger that helped me break through. <laughs> this cycle yeah. because I held under this for a few moments, you know, and, and Hey, you know, anger can be useful. It's if, especially if it's a righteous anger, you know, if you're, if there's a reason for the anger, it can be a good thing because it can help you to give you the impetus to, to make the change in your life that needs to happen. Mm. Okay. All right. Um, at, 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 at the very beginning of this, when Nathan uh, was mentioning, um, the, uh, the, the, the eyesight, the vision as being, um, one of the, um, 
trauma thing, the, the, the um, items, uh, the issues that you had, and you actually said, when you said, uh, no, that's the, cherry, that's the cherry on top, I instantly <laughs> got, a, a, for you there and then, you're very grateful for the journey that you've been on. And, you know, to yeah. put something as the cherry on top, you know, that's the, the piece de resistance. That's, you know, that's everything's been, everything you've learned underneath it has been you're so grateful regardless of what it was. It's been an experience that you put the cherry on top, whereas most people will put themselves further in that hole with something else coming up. It's like, oh, no, it's getting worse and worse and worse. But you've actually put the cherry on top. And I instantly thought you, you're very grateful for the journey that you've had. I am. I am indeed. You know, with the with the vision issues, uh, I've had to learn how to be reliant upon other people. I've had to learn not to be as independent as I was. And again, there's that lesson that's there. Maybe, uh, you know, I don't know what you guys believe, but maybe in a past life I, I uh, was in a controlling kind of situation. So now I've got to be uh, in a controlled kind of a situation. I don't know. You know, I don't know the answer to it. Mm. But for me, again, you know, that attitude of gratitude, it's there for a reason. I've had it, I've had it for a reason. And, uh, I, I have to rely upon my wife a lot more. Uh, so that brings us a closeness because she's got to be attentive to me. I have to be attentive to her. We have to be very aware of each other at all times. And it's made a difference in the relationship that we have mm. as far as that goes. Gratitude's um, a know, huge thing. It just it instantly, it, can, the, the positive state that it can keep you in and keep you moving forward, it, it's incredibly huge. It's very It painful. can be uh, the difference. Yeah. Absolutely. The difference. So, um, let me, let me go back to the anger issue here real quick. Um, I used, I used anger again, the righteous anger, because, um, with my second wife situation, when I was looking back on what happened to me in that, that, uh, situation, I had to, um, again, go with the gratitude thing, but I also, paid attention to the fact that if, okay, everything that we do, every decision that we make is done through a filter that is the culmination of every event that we've gone through in our lives from the moment of conception forward, every voice that we've heard, every advertisement that we've seen, everything that we've, you know, been through and done, hmm. that filter is there. So every decision that we make is, is made through that lens. Now, if my second wife knew that the things that she did had as much of an impact on my decisions that I make as it could have, she would, she would take a sick pride in it. She would be so satisfied cackling with glee over the situation. And I didn't want to give her that satisfaction. You see? So I had to learn again how to, um, uh, break free from that. And that's where the, the attitude of gratitude came from. Mm. Um, so, you know, again, that anger was there for, for a reason and I used it in a positive way. And the anger, as soon as I did that, the anger dissipated, it was gone and it, it's never been back. So wow. I'm grateful, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for everything that I've been through in my life because I'm happier now than I've ever been in my life. And if I had, any kind of anger in me, if I had any kind of regrets over the things that I've gone through, things that I've done, things that I've said, people that I've been with, you know, so on and so forth, uh, then that would diminish the joy that I currently have. Because then I would feel like if I have that anger, then, I, then I'm not enjoying the things that I have at this point in time as much. Yeah. I'm not as grateful for it. You see what I mean? Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, when you talk about the regret, I mean, there was there was one that I had for a very long time, 20, more than 20 years, and it had to do with a breakup with a woman, and even though it was a really terrible situation, I, I found myself wondering, did I do the right thing? And this regret lasted for well over 20 years, and then guess what? Guess who showed up in my life again? She did. And... Uh, on a dating site of all things, but I didn't recognize her because her information was wrong. The photo was correct. The information was wrong. And when she wrote back to me and I realized who it was, I went, oh, no. And um, But we wound up talking, and I discovered when I was with her that I had made the correct decision. And when we finally did break up again, it for me, it was final. And I was able to close the door on it. So in... in in a sense, I regret having it and having that thing come back was very useful because it Certainly allowed me to chance to have closure. Yes, get- absolutely. Closure is is really important in many ways, but when you can't have closure, sometimes the challenge is, well, how do you get closure? And one of the things that I realized too, which may be useful to you and and our audience as well, <clears throat> sometimes the endings are incomplete. Sometimes we don't get what we want. Sometimes the endings are violent or, uh, and we wind up with an incomplete situation that we know we can't resolve and our mind wants to resolve it and we know we can't. And um, yeah, that, that can be yeah. challenging. I mean, when my wife passed away suddenly, there was no, I couldn't get, there was no, um, closure. I couldn't get all that, but for me, it was gratitude for everything that we had. Gratitude, and it was that gratitude that allowed me to keep moving forward. Exactly. This is such an amazing conversation because it it ties into several of the other interviews that we've done, and in many of those cases, guess what comes up? Gratitude. gratitude. Yep. And I'm beginning to realize it's far more powerful than I ever realized. And I'm going, man, I need to go into this a lot more. (laughs) (laughs) You know, with with gratitude. Yeah, keep going, Ira. I was just going to say, with gratitude, that that in and of itself can be a form of closure. When you come to the point in your life where you've realized that you can have gratitude for the things that you've been through, that right there is a form of closure. And, you know, like. It may sound trite. I know that a lot of people out there, they hear this phrase and they think, oh, God, they roll their eyes and, you know, try to move on from it. But really, honestly, everything really does happen for a reason. And we may not know the reasons why it happened at that moment in time. And we we may never understand why it happened. But the point is that it happens for a reason there's there's a purpose to it there's there is some sort of plan that's in place and i don't know if you guys are religious i'm not religious and i don't know if the audience really is but uh you know i i do have a spirituality to me and and a lot of the things that i do comes from that perspective um i don't think that this is the first time that we're here i don't think this is the last time that we're here and and uh i think that we touch lives in ways that we'll never really understand the things that we go through like okay for example I know that my second wife moved on from me into another relationship, and uh, there were children that were involved. They they weren't hers, but they were uh, of of her her second husband there, and uh, there was abuse that went on. Now, when she passed away, um, those children they they moved on from her, and uh, as well as the husband, and those children. I, I found out later those children 
in the experiences that they went through, they also learned this attitude of gratitude and they, they learned that they would not do this to their own children. Mm. So you see, there was, there was a cycle that could have been started with it all, but they ended the cycle. It ended with her and her passing away. Mm. So again, everything really does happen for a reason. And I don't hold any regrets. I don't hold any angers towards her. You know, it is what it is. What happened happened and we can't change the past, but we can, we can alter our futures based upon what we've been through. And the, the main point that I always try to make is we don't have to let our pasts rule over us. They really, if you want to think about it in kind of weird scientific terms, um, Every moment of every day, your body changes. You're no longer the same person that you were 24 hours ago. Hmm. Seven years, uh, every seven years, your body literally has shed every old cell that it had and brand new ones are there. You're in a completely new regenerated body at that point in time. So if the things that happened to you happened 12, 15 years ago, they literally happened to a different person and you don't have to let that impact you right now. What a great way of looking at it. (laughs) I it's it's interesting that we're having this conversation because I wound up on a website uh, which I've been getting in notifications for a while, and uh, I believe it was created by Sean Ampey, who or Sean Aker rather, who wrote uh, the Happiness Advantage. The site is called Big Think, and on the the site had to do with this young man who was raised in a neo-Nazi environment and was actually the webmaster for the top neo-Nazi site in the world, which is called Stormfront, which I believe. Um, Several people are, are trying to shut it down right now. Now, what was interesting about this guy is that he wound up going to university and he didn't tell anybody there about his background. And when they found out, a whole bunch of people wanted to expel him. But one of the students that he had made friends with just happened to be an Orthodox Jew. And the student said, look, I, I know what's going on, but I want to invite him to a, a Sabbath dinner. And when you said, the only thing I, I ask of you people is don't bring up anything to do with his past. Anything else? Sure, but not that. So the guy went, and uh, and it went well, and he was invited again. And the short stories, he went through a whole bunch of dinners all the way through the year. And then at one of them, he said, you know, and of his own volition, said, you're not anything like what I was taught to believe. Hmm. And what happened was, is over a period of time, this young man completely changed everything from where he came from and started to work with intercultural things and communication and dissolving hate. And the end result, his family disowned him. And yet he's still doing what he's doing and still working to diffuse this hatred and all the myths and everything else. And it was just an amazing story. Now imagine how lives he's actually transformed because yep. of the experiences of his past and making use of them in such a dramatic way. Yeah, his story yeah. is so atypical. I mean, so incredibly atypical. I mean, when I was young, I was a student. I had this one friend in university. He was my friend until the day that he found out that he was Jewish, and he instantly became my enemy because he'd been raised in a hate environment. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't anything I could say to him. I just kind of looked at him and thought, oh, well. And I had no choice but to walk away because he was so filled with hate. Sometimes that's necessary. Yeah, sometimes that's necessary. You know, uh, one of the the things, and this is, I don't know, I, I... 
I try to help people out again through through the things that I've been through. Um, a lot of my family is very dark. They they're alcoholics, abusive, drug users. You name it. They're they're a mess mm-hmm. mess in that family. Okay, um, and uh, that includes my brothers and sisters. I, I come from a family of thirteen. Uh, we, wow. we have a there, um, and I got to the point with that part of the family that I just they were such a negative influence in my life. They were such a hardship in my life that I had to walk away from them. And uh, one of the things I I guess I want to give as a message to people is just because you're saddled with somebody genetically doesn't mean you have to have anything to do with them. If they're being that negative influence in your life, if they're making your life miserable, walk away, make your own family. That's, That's part of the point. You don't have to suffer through what you're going through. You can walk away. Mm. Uh, And I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, You don't know this, but I wound up going through a very similar thing. And the first time I walked out on my family because of all this was in 2005 and I didn't speak to anybody for three years. I came back, dealt with some unfinished business, and then I ended the relationship again uh, almost seven years ago. And it was for exactly the reasons that you described. Uh, and the thing is, and, and this is probably important to mention to, as far as our audience is concerned, is a lot of people, myself included, were brought up with the idea that family is sacred. Family is everything. Family is your rock, your foundation. But what do you do if your family are your worst enemies? Yeah. The people who hate you the most, the people who want to drive you into the ground the most, what do you do then? And in talking about the idea of leaving the family is a huge taboo in our society. I mean, I remember I ran into one case a few years ago when I was talking about what I was going through, and this woman basically said to me, don't be such a big baby, and you need to make things right with your family. And, and it just went on and on. And I, I just looked at her and I thought, okay, we're done. And I just cut her right out of my life because it's like, but that's one of the things I needed to do because there's this prevailing attitude that you must make it right, even if it's painful to you, even if it causes you suffering, even if it makes your life worse. Family is everything, and you cannot go against that. You know, sometimes with families that are the most negative and abusive, that that uh, really is a thread that runs through them. And I have to wonder, uh, as I often have, if the family is everything is a form of brainwashing to make sure that people stay in that family. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. Yes. Because that was one thing, you know, um, uh, an experience that I had when I was going to a counselor at the time, she kept telling me, you've been brainwashed by your, I, I don't like that word, but she kept telling me, I, I'd rather use the word conned because that's closer exactly. to the truth for me. But I'd been brought up in this thing to believe that this is the way it was. And since I didn't know otherwise, of course, what am I going to do? And I had another friend along those lines who wound up being brought up at a very young age in a religious cult from the age of nine. And, of course, he had no other reference. But he, he realized finally that things were really seriously wrong. And not only did he leave the church, he also had to leave his family and everything behind. So for those of us who are able to figure it out, that's great. But there are many other people who can't. And hopefully this broadcast will shed a little bit of light on this so that you realize that, no, family is 
you, where you come from is your genetics and everything else. But if your family treats you like garbage, time to reevaluate the relationship. Exactly. And, in, and any relationship after, I mean, it might not be your family too. It's relationships that you go into as you do. Absolutely. Right? And, it's, and it's what you call, this is coming back to what you described as the emotional addictions, Ira. This is the belief. This is the addictions that we stay in um, and trapped in these cycles. Exactly. And like I said, many times these patterns start at, at a very young age. And the, uh, they, they sort of, you know, you fit, you fit into a mold. The pattern is sort of a mold that you're fitting into. And you're always going to keep uh, finding relationships or, or finding things in your life yeah. have that same flavor the, that fit that mold pretty perfectly. And I think our subconsciouses have a lot to do with it. I think that uh, you know, there, there are other people that are out there that have their own emotional addictions. And we sort of maybe send signals to each other yeah. uh, over the distance and say, okay, if you're, if you're ready to feed your addiction, I'm ready to feed my addiction. Let's meet and, and the, yeah. uh, you know, invariably you're going to end up meeting, you're going to get together. Boom. The, the addictions get fat. You see what I mean? It's yeah. all on a subconscious level. Yeah. I think that we're all sort of sending signals to each other on a constant basis because everything is energy. You know, when it, yes. when it really comes to it, everything is energy yeah. and, uh, that, that's what we're doing. And we, from, we, um, I was just going to say from all that, the biggest thing that you Nick, then said was the recognizing it. Yes. yes. Yeah. Recognition is everything. It's, well, it's the first step. I mean, awareness of wherever you are in life, that's one thing. And then the recognition of whatever it is that's causing these different problems. And then it's like, okay, well, what do I do about it? Or what can I do about it? And who can I go to for help? Um, <laughs> a lot of times, you know, when it comes to this stuff, it, it really is a, a very large uh, matter of internal Agreed. You know, that, that Agreed. You, you can't, um, like giving up smoking, you know, a lot of people out there, they want to quit smoking, but they want to quit smoking because of somebody else. Their wife wants them to quit or their kids want them to quit. And they try and try and try. They, they keep falling into the same old addictions. You know, they pick up that cigarette again, invariably a month later or six months later, because they still want to smoke. They still want that there in their lives. And yes. this can be said as well for these issues of the emotional addictions. Mm -hmm. They're still in the pattern. They still want this stuff in their life. So until they come to an internal decision yes. that this is something they no longer want to have in their life, nothing is really going to break that cycle. It, it has to be broken by the person themselves. And they can get help. Right get information that this stuff exists. And that's one of the reasons, again, why I wrote the book. That's one of the reasons why I talk about this kind of stuff on my shows um, is to give the people in the information. But I believe that there are, there are people that are ready to hear the information and they're going to hear it in the moment that they need to hear it. Yep. And then others are going to hear it and they're not quite ready to hear it yet, but it's going to knock around in their brain. Yep. You know, it's going to be kicking around in there somewhere in the subconscious. And when they're ready to hear it, they're going to be led to find what, what I'm talking about here. Totally Whether agree. it's from, yep. There's yeah. from somehow they're going to find a way to break that cycle. Um, one of the things I want to talk about too, if you guys don't mind, I, I'm going to shift just slightly here, but it's sort of on the same topic. Um, okay. A lot of people are suffering from depression and loneliness, and they're sort of uh, akin to each other. You know, these two these two issues they're very akin to each other. Depression invariably leads to loneliness, and loneliness invariably leads to depression. It's just sort of they go hand in hand. Um, one of the things that, that I went through when I was going through a lot of depression issues uh, is it's going to sound strange, but it worked for me. And I like to give this info out to people uh, 
as a way to help them out. Again, you know, that's, that's all that I'm about. I'm about helping people out. So, um, what I would do is, or what I would recommend is, is take a moment, go outside and find a tree, you know, find a really nice big tree and go up to the tree. And I'm not, you know, being weird with this, but go up to the tree and touch it, uh, embrace it. Don't be, you know, uh, don't make fun of me for being a tree hugger, but this is the way that it goes. Okay. So, um, you know, embrace this tree and, and in your, in your heart, in your mind, in your, your depths, I want you to think about the fact that when you are exhaling, you're exhaling carbon dioxide. And when that tree is exhaling, it's exhaling oxygen. It's dependent on you and you're dependent on it. You have a symbiotic relationship going on with this. You literally are taking each other's breaths in. This is a very powerful mm. sort of thing to, to realize that you are not alone. You are surrounded at all times by things that are dependent on you and things that you are dependent on. And you can consciously decide to be aware of that fact. And when you are, it, it, it transforms the way that your brain works. You know, you're sort of training your brain to do something different or to, to take a different action. And for me, you know, uh, I go again with the physics idea of, uh, you know, an object at rest tends to stay at rest an object in motion tends to stay in motion. We can't really make changes in our lives until we take some kind of action. Even just a, the smallest, smallest action can start a chain reaction that's going to lead into massive changes within our lives. Yep. If you go outside and you look up at the stars, I want you to think about the fact that that star, yes, you're taking in the light of that star. You're seeing it, but be consciously aware that every second that you're staring at that star, you're taking in itself. It, it's sent out from itself, a, a part of itself, the photons that came from it and, and went you know, light years, dozens of light years, hundreds of light years in distance. Thousand years ago, it sent out its light, its energy, its life force, so that you, at that moment in time, could look up into the sky and take it into yourself. That star is now a part of you. How can you think you're anything less? Wow. That's very good. Yes. I yeah. like that. Yeah. That's really, really good. I've, I've used my own ways of explaining that to, to people. Yours is, is quite good, too. Thank mm. you, Ira. You're welcome. You're welcome. I mean, I was going to ask about different things, but the the wonderful thing about our conversation is uh, you've done this before. That's really obvious. And you've anticipated the vast majority of, of everything that I wanted to talk about, so I didn't even have to say anything. Uh, and I, I was going to ask you to share a resource, and you did share that earlier. I'd like you to share it again. I think it was when good relate or something about relationships. Yeah, my my book is when good relationships go bad. You guys can find that on uh, Barnes and Noble at in the bookstores. You can find it on Amazon. You can also find it on my website at originalworlds.com. I do have the first couple of chapters available for free for everybody to read. Um, unfortunately, my publishers won't let me give it away for free. But <laughs> no, no, of course not. But I will say as well, for, for those that are looking for some kind of free resources, um, I do a lot of shows on these kind of topics. I've done a lot of shows on the subject of emotional addiction, and I go into it for a couple of good hours, you know, a really good stretch of talking about this stuff in really great detail. And in fact, yep. I give out 
almost every bit of information that's in the book during these shows. So if you guys want this, um, you can go to my website, uh, openeyesnetwork.com. Uh, or find me on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash C forward slash open eyes network. Um, I live stream all of my uh, shows live onto YouTube as well. Um, look in my search bar for emotional addictions and you guys will find the shows where I talk about exactly this stuff. And uh, there you go. I mean, it's a free resource for you guys. Again, if you can't afford the book, I definitely understand. I know how it is. I'm very broke myself. So, you know, <laughs> a, poor, a poor author here myself. But, uh, you know, again, if you if you want that free resource, it's there. And I, and I give like so much detail that's from the book. Um throughout all of this stuff and you've got so, some yeah. interesting other books there as well i'm looking at them at the moment it's uh, but another story <laughs> so, indeed yeah, yeah. i do uh, fiction and non-fiction books yeah. i have uh, uh six books published total and i have another another two that are coming out later this year as well so Fantastic. very good well thank you so much for being with us today some, uh, yeah some um, great I'm, information for the we, listeners some great tips just to think about very quickly and make some very positive quick changes in their lives if they choose to Absolutely. I'm so grateful for you guys to have me on tonight. And I hope that, you know, I, I again, I feel that everything happens for a reason. Yeah. I know there are listeners that are out there that are going to take this information and they're going to use it. They were ready to hear it at this moment in time. And, and I just want to totally. tell you guys, I love you. I absolutely love you. <laughs> you, you guys. You guys, you listeners out there, you you that are listening to this show right yeah. now, I love you. And don't ever think that nobody does because I do. And this is awesome. I, I want you. I want you to do amazing things with your life. You can do it. If I could do it, you can do it. Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you so much for being Thanks, with Sarah. us. So, yeah. So, I think that's pretty much it. So, for those of you who have been listening to us to, through this uh, broadcast, my name is Nathan Siegel. My colleague Hamish Baston were the Thought Hackers. And with us today has been Ira Robinson. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. You're most welcome. You've been listening to The Thought Hackers. Make sure you subscribe and get each new episode emailed straight to you so you don't miss a show. And have a look at our resources page where you will find programs, audios, and books that will create change in your thoughts. <laughs>